Hello, Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you've tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. This morning I want to get into this uh, series on angels and demons. Uh, Angels, demons, this is something that is very prevalent in our world right now, very prevalent in our society. Uh, All kinds of surveys tell us that people are more spiritual than they have ever been. That doesn't mean necessarily that they are more Christian or, or anything like that, but they are more aware, more in tune, more interested in the spiritual realm than any other time, any other time. And, and so this is something that the Bible addresses, and I want to go through it over the next four weeks. I'm going to try to answer a lot of questions, but I will let you know if I don't answer your question, something you're wondering about, then please feel free to text me, to call me, send me an email, whatever, all right, and I will do my best. Let's have a word of prayer, then we'll start. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you were good. We thank you, Lord, for this time of worship, the encouragement, how it strengthens our soul to sing about how good our God is, how it does something magnificent in our spirit when we remember the promises that you have for us. Lord, we thank you that you have promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided for us all of our needs according to your riches and glory. We thank you, Lord, that you have protected us. Your word says you have sent angels, ministering angels, to lift us up. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Help us as we get in the word. We praise you and give you all the glory. And everybody said together, amen, amen. I'm going to go, well, we can give the Lord a praise offering. Amen, it's always good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm going to go in uh, Daniel chapter 10. And I'm going to be a little bit all over the place. You can follow me. It should be on the screen. But in Daniel chapter 10, let me give you a little bit of background. Daniel is in captivity. He is an Israelite. They have disobeyed the Lord. Another army had come in and overtaken them. He is now a prisoner. And he is asking the Lord about what's going to happen. And he's asking the Lord, what, what, what's the next thing? What is God going to do? So in Daniel chapter 10, verse 4, I'm going to read verses 4 through 6, then again in 12, verses, uh, 12 through 14. It says, on the 24th day of the first month, as I, this is Daniel speaking, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of of a multitude. Now you can tell from the description this is not a human being. Daniel prayed, and when Daniel prayed, God sent an angel in order to deliver a message to him. And, and let me keep reading in, in uh, the same chapter, verse 12. It says, Then he continued, this is the angel speaking now, then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding. And to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. 
but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now I want you to know today the angels are real. They are absolute. There is no question. The Bible is very clear. In this passage here, we see Daniel praying. God sends an angel in response to that prayer with a message. But then the angel says, I was detained by the king of Persia. Now, we understand that an angel is, is supernatural. He's not going to be d- detained by a human being. And so the king of Persia is a demon. And so you have Daniel praying. God dispatches an angel in answer to his prayer. And, and the angel said, I've been trying to get here ever since you prayed. But I got detained because a demon met me here and began to do battle with me. And, and he, the angel was not able to overcome this demon. And so the scripture says the angel then goes to Michael. Now, Michael is an archangel. We'll read about him another time. But he is one of the chief angels, one of the chief princes, it says. And so when Michael comes, he he takes care of business. And it doesn't take much longer after that because Michael is more powerful than the demon. And then the angel is able to come to Daniel. And so in this right here, we see an interaction of what's going on in the spirit realm that we cannot see. And yet it's happening all the time. There are angels ministering to us, and there are demons trying to oppose us, trying to attack us. We'll get into that. But I do want you to know that angels are real. There were angels at the Garden of Eden when God made Adam and Eve get out. The Bible says that God placed angels at the door with a flaming sword so nobody could get in. And to this day, though we know it's around the Tigris and Euphrates, nobody has found the Garden of Eden because there are angels posted there. Abraham's concubine, Hagar. She got upset over everything that was happening. She left. Remember, she ran out into the desert. An angel appeared to her and spoke to her and called her back to her husband so that she would be saved. When when the Israelites left Egypt and they began to wander around in the desert, the Bible says an angel appeared in the form of fire and led them through the desert so they would know which way to go and which way not. And, And so when Elijah, the prophet Elijah, things were not going well, he was suicidal. This is probably my favorite angel. He was suicidal, and the angel showed up with a hot meal. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it was, but I'm guessing chicken fried steak, mashed taters, some green beans, maybe some collard greens. You know what I'm saying? Turnip greens with some of that sauce on it. I mean, a hot meal, not a, not a sandwich, a hot meal. Now, you know God loves you if he's going to give you a hot meal. And then let him go back to sleep. He didn't wake you up and say, well, now you got to get going. He, he gave him a hot meal, let him go back to sleep, and then gave him another meal. Praise the Lord for that angel. The Bible says that when Daniel went into the lion's den and he came out, he told Nebuchadnezzar, the angel of the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. Amen? The, the scripture says that when Jesus had been without food or water for 40 days, out in the desert, tempted by the devil, weak in his body, that angels came and attended to him. And, and so we see angels are real. When, when God began to manifest his son, angels appeared to Zechariah. Angels appeared to Joseph. Angels appeared to Mary. Angels appeared to the shepherds out in the fields. I won't sing because I love you. And Jesus talked about the children. And he said, don't mess with the kids because their angels sit in the presence of God all the time. Angels are real. 
Amen. Revelation chapter 12. Now, Revelation is about a time yet to come as well, but we have this, this passage to help us understand. And it says, and then war broke out in heaven. Michael, remember we were just talking about Michael. Michael, the chief prince of the angels. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's Lucifer, Satan. Fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent, referring back to the Garden of Eden, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And so I want you to know demons are real. Demons are, are angels that are fallen. They were created in good. They were created with a good purpose. They rebelled against God. The scripture says they fell from heaven. Lucifer, Satan, he was the angel of light, one of the most powerful angels in heaven, became arrogant. The scripture said that he said to himself, I will be God. And when he decided that, then God said, no, you ain't, and kicked him out. And the scripture in Revelation says that he swept a third of the angels with him. And so of all the angels, a third of them became what we call demons now. Demons still have supernatural power. They are real. They are not something to be messed with, not something to be played with. It, it is not a game. The, the scripture says that uh, Isaiah called Lucifer that ancient serpent. I, I just talked to you about the king of Persia, another demon. When we read the story of Job, there, there was a, a, a time when one of the friends who was accusing Job of sinning, uh, he listens to a demon, and his thoughts come from a demon. When Jesus was on earth, demons would fall at his feet. There were one time that there was a demon in a man, and Jesus said, what is your name? He said, legion. In other words, there were legions of demons in that man. Jesus cast him out into a, a herd of pigs, and the pigs ran off the cliff. There was a time when Paul and his, and his uh, entourage were going around preaching and teaching, and, and a little girl who was possessed by a demon walked around, followed them around, shouting, these men are sons of the Most High God telling you how to be saved. Paul got tired of it and said, get out of her. And so I want you to know demons are real. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. It says, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. I want to talk about that. It says you made them a little lower than the angels. In our creation as human beings, we have been made a little lower than the angels. Now, when we are filled with Jesus Christ then we are crowned with glory and honor. And just as Christ was exalted above the angels, one day we, those who believe, will be the judge of the angels. That's what the Bible says. Amen? And so we have been made a little bit lower now. So right now, the supernatural power of angels and demons is greater than what we have within us without Christ. And so, again, this is not something to be messed with, not something to be played with, but, but angels and demons have supernatural power. Amen? Y'all with me? You, you remember the old cartoon with the little demon on one side and the little angel on the other? That's not what it's like. These are magnificent beings with unbelievable power that roam in the spiritual realm. 
And demons have one goal, and that is to keep you from being saved. That's all they care about. They don't care how much you go to church. They don't care how much of the Bible you know. They don't care how much you pray. As long as at the end of your life, you are not a sincere believer in Jesus Christ. That's all they care about. The Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies. So all deceit comes from him. He he is the father of all lies. And so everything that he does is a lie. The Bible says that he is an angel of light. He portrays himself as light and then tricks you into darkness. And all you got to do is look at our society. There are so many temptations that look good, and then they aren't. Amen? That's why I got to be careful with my blue belt, because it looks good. But, you know, it can turn dark on you fast. You know what I'm saying? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. I want you to know angels and demons are created beings. They are not gods. They are not God. We should not pray to angels. We pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are not to be worshipped. They they are created, which means they had a beginning. God is everlasting. There is no beginning to our Father. He was and has always been. There was never a birth date for God. You can't celebrate his birthday because he didn't have one. He has been since the very beginning. The scripture says that the Son has always been with God because he is God. And so Jesus Christ has no beginning. He was born. There was a beginning to his time on earth, but his existence has been always. But angels were born at a certain time. They were created at a certain time. In the book of Job, it says that when God laid the foundations of the earth, the angels celebrated. So angels were created, but they were created a long time ago, even before the earth was set in place. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What I just read in Colossians, it says, all things have been made whether powers or thrones or rulers and authorities. And here we have the Apostle Paul using the same terminology, talking about demons. And he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Who is our enemy? Right here it tells us. The Bible says our everyday battle for our soul is against demonic forces. It's not against your husband. I don't care how long it's been since he took out the trash. He's not your enemy. It's not against your family members. It's not against the people that don't like you. It's not against your ex-husband or your ex-wife. None of them can steal your soul. None of them can destroy you for eternity. They can say whatever they want to say, but in the end, there was one person who decides, and that is Jesus Christ, and our enemy is the spiritual forces of evil coming to attack us. 
Amen? And, and the problem we get into is we don't see them. Since we don't see them, we don't fight them. And since we don't fight them, we lose. We lose too many battles. And so there has to be an understanding. Because the battle for our eternal soul is in the spiritual realm, we have to understand it. Amen? Remember, remember last week I talked to you about there came a time when Jesus started telling his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem and I must be killed. Remember, Peter didn't like it. So Peter pulled him aside and said, Peter, you, uh, or, or said, Jesus, you, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. And he rebuked him. Now, I want you to notice, Jesus did not say, Peter, you shouldn't say that. He, he didn't say, Peter, what are you talking about? He turned and looked, but he said, Satan, get thee behind me. Jesus now is attributing the thoughts, the ideas, the words that are in Peter's spirit to Satan. And so we see that Satan has an ability to have influence over how we think. And that's one of the things he does. He's presenting lies. He's always lying to us, telling us we're not good enough, telling us we're the wrong color, tells us we're the wrong socioeconomic, tells us that we, we're the wrong gender, that we're the wrong everything, trying to get us to think we ain't no good. All the while, God said, I made you, and I'm a master of making everything. Amen? And so everything he's doing is trying to lie to us, and, and, and it gets in our head, and we start believing it. And when we start believing it, we start falling away. Y'all with me? So we have to understand, we have to understand that, that all things are possible with God, but we do have an enemy. You know what? Come here, Thomas. Come here, Thomas. I'll just stand right there. Now, no, no Christian should ever be defeated by a demon. Amen? So, so in this little thing, face me, face me. That's a pretty big demon right there. <clears throat> I loved it in the video because we've been telling you smile more, and I can see you trying to smile. That was great. That was awesome. So we're go we're gonna do a little illustration for for this illustration. I'm a Christian, Holy Spirit filled, Bible believing. All right, you're gonna be a demon. All right, and we're gonna push. All right, and whoever pushes each other off wins. You understand what I'm saying? I won. Just <laughs> yeah, I won. <laughs> That's all right. Thank you, brother. Sorry I had to do that. Show my mighty force. Yeah, I have so many muscles to push you down. Yeah. Yeah. But here, here's the deal. It just as easily could have gone the other way. If I wasn't paying attention, he could have pushed me. Christians should never lose to demons. But if you're not paying attention, if you're not alert, if you're not sober-minded, Demons will come at you, deceive you, and lead you astray. Amen? And so we have to know what we're doing. I want you to look in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. I'm sorry about that, Pastor Thomas. You probably got a big bruise right there. I just, there's so much force. Just. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 6. He'll probably steal my bluebell now. <laughs> That's all right. Now, what we see right here is, let me give you some context. Elijah the prophet is, is, is doing the Lord's work. There is a king trying to attack Israel, and, and he's doing it kind of in a guerrilla warfare, just kind of surprise attacks. And, and the king of Aram, who's way over here, tells his men, I want you to go to this spot. 
And the Lord tells the prophet Elijah, hey, they're going to go to that spot. So then Elijah talks to the king of Israel and says, that's where they're going. Y'all be ready. And so this keeps happening over and over and over again. And the king of Aram's getting a little irritated. And he asks this man, why does this keep happening? They said, well, they got a prophet of God and everything you say over here, he hears it. And then he tells them what's going to happen. And, and so the king of Aram said, I want you to send a whole army and I want you to go and take him out. I want you to take him out. And that's what we get in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And so when the servant, this is the servant of Elijah, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Amen? And so now chariots of fire, these aren't regular chariots. These are angels that are seated upon chariots of fire surrounding the enemy. The enemy had them surrounded, but God had the enemy surrounded. Amen? Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so now I want you to think about this. This servant has been following Elisha around. Elisha was crazy. He would do stuff that you just wouldn't believe. One day they were out chopping trees, and an axe head fell into the water. And the guy using the axe head ran to Elisha and said, hey, it was borrowed. I can't give it back now. And he said, well, where did it fall? They said, right over there. He said, give me a stick. He threw the stick in, and that iron axe floated. Now, he did stuff like that all the time. This servant walked around and saw it. This servant had to have some faith. He was not an unbeliever. He, he is somebody who had seen the power of God through the prophet Elijah. He would have believed in God. This wasn't just some average Joe. This was a man of faith. But when he woke up that morning, he looks, and there's a whole army surrounding him. All of a sudden, his circumstance was more than what he could do. What, what do you do when your circumstance is bigger than your faith? What do you do when, when your circumstance requires more of you physically than you can handle? You just cannot keep on going. Your body's tired. What, what do you do when you don't have the emotional stamina, the mental understanding? What do you do when all that happens? And, 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 and that's what we're talking about. And, and so when you look at this, for us to really understand it, I, I want you to see the contrast between Elijah, Elisha. Elisha's full of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need to see nobody. He's fine. I, this was, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God to rewind this scene. Because I see the servant coming out and his hair is going crazy. Whoa! Elisha walks out. It's all right. There's more for us than there are for them. Open his eyes. And I'm thinking he opened his eyes and fainted. That's what I think happened. I don't know. But there's a contrast. Elisha had the faith, had the understanding, had, had, had the confidence that the Lord was with him. Didn't need to see anything. But his servant, his faith was not quite there. And he needed help. And so Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And so suddenly he sees all this and he gets help. Now we got to think about how did, how did the king even get that close? Why, why, why was that even, even something to, to, to think about? We have to understand this. Uh, the king of Aram was allowed to get that close because for now, 
God has given authority to Satan and his demons over this realm. I know we don't like to think about that, but that's what happened. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. So when you think of the culture, all you got to do is look around. Everything that we see, let's just take politics for a minute. Don't throw anything at me. Well, you're not supposed to talk about politics in church, right? Anyway, everybody hates everybody. I don't care what side they're on. Everybody's mad at everybody. Why? Because the culture of this world is about discord and getting people mad, getting people upset. You cannot go buy clothes for a nine-year-old girl that is modest because designers are making clothes more risque for younger and younger girls. Why? That's the culture of our world. We, when, you, when you look at how the world operates, the mode of operation, the way the world thinks, the way the world acts, the way the world reacts. I mean, think about it right now. We, we have what, what, what are referred to radical Islam that will take homosexuals and, and throw them off a roof. And then you have the Christian, Christianity, that says we love everybody. We're not throwing anybody off a roof. We don't think that's good. We should love everybody, no matter what. But who's the bad guy in our culture? It's Christianity. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world. And everything is moving in that direction. Now, here's what I want you to understand, though. He has authority. He has a little bit of authority right now because the authority has given him authority for a time right now. Amen? But don't start thinking that he's in charge. He's on borrowed time. He's on borrowed power. And there's going to come a day when our Christ will show up and obliterate him simply by the testimony of the saints and the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And so when you think about this, he has authority, he has dominion, but, and he, you know, he kind of gets big like he's somebody special, you know. And every now and then God's got to show up and remind him who's boss. That's where angels come in. Angels pierce the heavens into this realm in order to do the supernatural work of God in a specific place, a specific time for the will of God, for the purpose of God, and the devil can't do nothing about it. Amen? Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen? In, in, in fact... Just, just believing that there are angels that are ministers of God sent out to help us it is a reminder that no matter what you see going on in the world, no matter what's happening outside, God is still on the throne. God is still able, and he's watching and waiting for the right time. But God is not laid back. He's not defeated. He is not just scared. God is just saying, yeah, I just want to show the devil every now and then. Amen? Every now and then. And, and so when, think about when the, when the devil wanted to, 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 to get Joseph to divorce Mary, what happened? An angel appeared. They said, let me tell you, this, this is because of the Holy Spirit. She hadn't been unfaithful to you. Amen? When, 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 when uh, Herod wanted to kill the baby, remember he went to Bethlehem and he was killing all the babies. And, and so what happened? An angel came to Joseph again and said, Joseph, you need to get the baby. Go to Egypt. And he saved the baby. See, the devil wants to do stuff, and then God says, I'm only going to let you go so far. 
I'm only going to let you do so much. I'm not going to let you accomplish your purpose because my purpose is always going to win. But I'll let you think that for a little while just to show you how big and bad I really am. Amen? And so then God shows up. Then he does a miracle. And then everybody says, well, that devil ain't nothing. The best day they had was the worst day they ever had. It was the day Jesus died on the cross. And they celebrated and celebrated until Sunday. And Jesus rose again. When the devil wanted to shut the church down, he put Peter, the head of the church, put him in jail, put him in shackles, chained with two different men. <laughs> I like this one. And God sent an angel. And, and, and Peter's chained to a man on this side and chained to a man on that side. And the angel came in and said, shh, this is just for you. And broke the shackles and said, follow me. And led him out to the front of the prison and the gates broke open. Didn't leave him, but let him go a whole block and make sure he was fine. And then suddenly he was gone and he did it just for Peter. See, the fact that there are angels means that God, they they are specific. They go to a specific place, a specific person for a specific purpose. And, And so the fact that there are angels means that God doesn't just do miracles. He does them for you. And he does them for me. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> Praise the Lord. You ever think about children? We always say children are so resilient. They're so they go through all kinds of stuff, and yet they, they still, you know, turn out and make it. Why is that? They're too young to really understand God, too young to really understand the Bible, too young to really understand all that. But what did Jesus say? He says, be careful with the children because they're angels. Hear what he said. They're angels are in the face of God all the time. Amen? You see, there are more with us than there are with them. There are more with us than there are with them. You ever heard of a guardian angel? You think, well, I got a guardian angel. And you got a guardian angel. But did you see the servant? When the servant needed help, he didn't have one angel. He didn't have two He had a whole army. I want to suggest to you today that you don't have one angel following you around. You have an entire army that is assigned to you when needed. You need one angel, he'll give you one angel. You need 10, he'll give you, you need 10,000, he'll send 10,000. Whatever you need in that moment, that's what the angels do. God says, my brother's in trouble, my sister, my my son, my daughter, y'all go. And whatever it takes to defeat what the enemy is trying to do in your life, he sends that much. Is this on? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. (laughs) Angels, you know, God delivered Daniel. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He delivered Peter. He did not deliver Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death. He did not deliver all the Christians that were persecuted after the ascension of Christ. We talked about it some in Sunday school. Christians who were boiling oil, Christians who, who were quartered, had their bodies pulled apart by horses, Christians who were light, lit on fire as torches for Roman parties, Christians that were crucified, tortured, He didn't save any of those. 
He could have sent the angels, but he didn't. One thing we have to understand about angels is angels are servants of the most high God. They're not our servants. They don't answer to us. They answer to him. They do his work. And that's according to his plan and his purpose. Amen? Now, what does that mean? If God has placed angels all around me, and at any time he speaks a word, they can pierce into this realm and supernaturally do something to help me. At any moment, there's never a moment in your life when God cannot send angels to help you. Just as Jesus needed strength, you need strength. Just as Peter was all locked up, you need a miracle. There's never a moment, there's never any circumstance where God cannot just send somebody, some angel, some legion of 10,000 to help you with what you need. So why doesn't he? Well, if God is working in our life and his main purpose is our soul, not that we would just be saved, but that we would be saved and sanctified, that we would learn how to live in holiness so that we would love one another and help one another and teach one another about who Christ is so that they also can be saved. Amen? So what that means is when I need strength and God doesn't send an angel, what God is saying is you don't need one right now. You're strong enough in the Holy Spirit to be sustained by my power. You see, the Holy Spirit ministers to me from within. Angels minister to me from without. And sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes he calms the babe in the storm. Amen? And, and we want to learn how to live not by the power of the angels, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're going through something and you think, Lord, I need a miracle, I need something to happen, and nothing happens, it's because God is saying, you're stronger than you think. You got more faith than you think. You're more in tune with the Holy Spirit than you realize. If you would just start praying, if you would just start believing, if you would just start taking that power that's in you, you will overcome without any help from angels. They're out there. They're good. And at any time, so there's never a time that you are without power, whether it comes from within or from without. When you don't have faith, when you don't have strength, when you don't have understanding, the Lord says, ask for it, and God will send help from without. I remember when I got in, in one of my many wrecks, I was, I was turning left. And, and as I was turning left, there were three other lanes coming, coming across this way. There was a big semi-truck, and, and I could beat the truck, no problem. And so I came around, but when I came around, then I saw this other guy speeding that I never saw because he was behind the truck. And he hit me with so much force, I was barely moving. And he had one of those old cars. You remember those that were made out of metal? One of them old cars. And, and he hit me. It was like a 1970-something, I mean, metal. I was in a newer fiberglass, you know, girly car. He hit me drove me into a, 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 a concrete barrier. I was barely moving. Now, you know that whoever's going faster, whoever delivers a blow, creates more damage to the other person. But I will tell you, when I got out of my car, there was more damage to his than there was to mine. And it, now, I, I'm not telling you I saw an angel, but what I am telling you is that the devil would have loved for me to have died that day. 
so that my family would have been in horror, in terror, because of losing their father, losing their husband. That's what the enemy wants to do, to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says be careful because you may be showing hospitality to an angel. You never know. There are many times, I read you the scripture in Daniel where the angel was very brilliant. There are many times in scripture where the angel appears and they think that it's a person. And they appear in, in, in a form that is very human and they don't realize who it is until later or the scripture explains it. And so I want to suggest to you that everywhere you go, there are angels all around you all the time. And everything the devil wants to do from the outside, because he can't get inside, everything he wants to do on the outside to hurt you and destroy you, God says, I will let you go this far. You remember with Job, Job, you can go this far with Job, but then you got to stop. And, and the Lord says, not everybody's Job, so not everybody can handle that. I will only let him do what you can handle without an escape. And so the Lord says, you can go this far. That's as much as they can handle. If you cross over, I'll send my angels, and they will help them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus told Peter, uh, Satan has asked to sift you like sand. Now, knowing Satan, as we do from the scripture, if God said no, I'm pretty sure he would still try because he's a rebel. That's what he does. But if we watch the story of Peter, and, and Jesus said that to Peter right before uh, he betrayed Christ, denied him three times. And, and if you look, people begin to recognize him. All this commotion going on over here with Jesus, and people are paying attention to Peter. Well, now why are they paying attention to Peter? You would think all their eyes would be over here. This demonic force trying to sift Peter and destroy him. And his arrow struck. But the enemy was trying to completely destroy Peter physically, mentally, emotionally, and certainly spiritually. But the next time we see Peter, he's back with the church. He's out fishing with the boys. Now, Judas couldn't handle it. Judas went out and hung himself. But Peter, he's back with the boys, back with the church. And he sees Jesus on the shore, and he jumps in the boat, jumps in the water out of the boat, and swims faster than the boat. I'm talking, that's supernatural. And he gets out and Jesus restores him. And everything the enemy wanted to do didn't happen because God's promise is no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I want you to know today, angels and demons are real. And every moment of every day, Demons are out to get you, doing whatever they can do. But there is a God in heaven who sees. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking for those who need strength. And he sees and he sends help. And so there may be a day when you're like the servant of Elisha. And you wake up and you, you see everything going wrong and it seems like the enemy's winning and everything's gone bad. I pray the Lord will open your eyes so that you see the chariots of fire because there are more with us than there are with them. And when it looks like the enemy, amen, praise the Lord. When it looks like the enemy has you surrounded, believe this, the Lord 
has surrounded the enemy. Amen. Let's stand up and let's sing this song together.